another round of reflection and writing and re-recording and feedback. And I got a little bit flattered, but a little bit flabbergasted. Because although complimentary, it also helped me catch an error. Somewhat of a lie, although more just an inconsistency or unreliability, I guess, is really all any dishonesty ends up being unexpectedly unreliable and unable to emotionally equip oneself to better officiate unexpected outcomes. It's like watching a magician that reveals how the trick is done. There's some satisfaction in getting to know, but at the same time, you're losing the magic. Because even though you knew it was a trick, there was still magic because you didn't know how they did the trick. There was still that mystery, that air of unsolved wonder. And although some satisfaction was found in the reveal it also made you not care about it anymore. You're not going to do the trick. You don't need to know how it's done. And now you don't have that magic. Now you got nothing. But like anything else, you can only go so long, you can only go so far until you build up the technique. You got to practice. It requires practice to get the ability to maintain something. And in those spaces in between is where you do the explanation and you just work on the scales and the technique. Because the next time you try an improv, it's going to be a whole lot better. No matter how many times you try and get it right, it's never going to be exactly how you want it to be. And the more you know, sometimes the better you feel, but sometimes it just opens you up to how much more there is still to know, how much better you could be, and how much harder you got to work. That's why sharing things like this when you've taken the time and you've put in the work and the practice, it's nice to share it because the receiving end gets an instant gratification. It's not the same as the person doing it when they get it right, but it's close. The feelings are understood. They resonate. Whether they're the same or not, they are shared and felt. And that's a good experience, but it's not quite the same as being the one that does it. And There's as much in the knowledge that has to go into being able to do it as there is in having to have a little bit of that self-awareness and a little bit of self-deprecation because otherwise when you were doing it, you would just freak out like the people who experience it. You'd be like, holy shit, I can't believe somebody's doing that. 
And that would ruin the experience of doing it. Then you would fuck up and you'd ruin it. You gotta get in like a chanty, trance kind of style mindset where you're aware, you're sharp, firing. But you're not directly interacting with the emotions. The excitement is immediately being directed into fuel. And motion of mind and action are locking up like gears. It's incredibly satisfying. If you experience it even once, the rest of your life you're going to be in love with that and you're going to try and find it in whatever you do. And it's going to be hard. It takes a lot to get it right. It takes a lot of other circumstances. It's as much practice and patience as it is just mystic and random occurrence. And I guess you just got to be holy. You got to find that enlightenment and that timing and the courage and to just nab the opportunity as soon as it's there. For me, it's like there's a switch inside me. Both that powers it on, but then it's like an amp. Is a better way of describing it. Because there is a switch. And the switch does turn on just on its own sometimes. And when it does, sometimes it's like fully charged. But sometimes it's like I do have the ability to adjust the levels. To adjust the Albert. With this last bit of feedback... I was reminded of what the Albert is and what the Albert means and what the Albert can possibly do if I just stop trying to fuck with the switches. And if I just try an Albert as much as I can. I'm tired of filtering Alberts. Alberts ought not to be filtered. Because the best of me is when... That switch flips on. When something catches that spark, and it only takes a little bit, it's like a full-body experience. It's not just enough to get my mind going. It also gets my heart going and my stomach going and my body. I feel the tingle. I want to move my hands. I want to move my feet. I want to just move, and I want to be in it and going. And there's so many different things that can do that. Sometimes it's just a real conversation with somebody. Sometimes it's just a good, genuinely creative idea or something really imaginative that I hadn't really thought of quite that way. Or Music, movies, art, people. Plenty of things can do it. And at any given time, I'm just searching for it. that creative impulse whereas somebody just got it right and let it out and nailed it when they found it. And there are long spaces in between, and my body gets tired, and my brain gets tired, and my feelers get tired. And I sludge through depression. And I sit and rot with weight on me when I do move. Until I find that, and then it's just like I can breathe again, and I can move again, 
and everything's easy suddenly and I'm lucky if it lasts a little while. I get to do something with it. Even if it's just think. That's all I've ever really got to do. But it doesn't always happen. I'm grateful when it does. I need more of that. I need to figure out how to find more of that. I had one of those conversations with some friends recently about... Something that they know I believe in, and I know that they don't believe in that thing that I believe in, and I was trying to explain it as honestly, openly, and objectively as I could, and naturally, it wasn't taken that way. So, I thought of another way to explain it. And I don't want to explain the issue beforehand because I don't want biases to interfere with it, but... Okay. Imagine with me, if you will, largely with your imagination if you have one of those. If not, call upon your other senses, your sense of smell, your sense of taste... Maybe words appeal more to you, so try and go with the words of things, but really get into a visual mindset. Focus on the imagery that I'm trying to paint here for you. And let it build. You've been thinking about something. Initially, it was maybe kind of an impulse, maybe for an hour or more. But then it came back again. Maybe it was later that day. Maybe it was another day after that, a day or two after. But the same impulse returned again. And that made you consider it a bit more to maybe start planning how you could maybe indulge this impulse. You have the idea, the initial idea. And you have a feeling, or at least the feeling that you're hoping for, with this idea. The idea being a bagel. You just randomly had an impulse. A craving for a nice toasted bagel with some cream cheese. And then it started to build. You didn't want just a bagel. You wanted a good bagel. And the ones from the grocery store, they're never quite as good. They're not as fresh. They don't have as much flavor. The texture's just not quite there. None of the good qualities of bagelness come from a store-bought bagel. You gotta go to a place that actually makes the bagels. And if you're really lucky, which I've heard there's a place out here that does this, you can go to a place that actually gets, like, water from New York. So this is, like, some authentic, you know, New York-style bagels you got going here. And those fucking people out there in New York, they know their fucking bagels. They know a lot of stuff. And one of them's definitely bagels and bread. Because there's no pizza like the pizza in New York. There's no bagels like the bagels back east in New York. I don't know from experience. That's just what I've heard. I imagine it to be true. It's something about the water. 
Water is important to life in a lot of ways. So you're craving this bagel, and you want that nice, well-crafted bagel. There's some guy in the back that's been making bagels for years, and he just fucking loves it. Like, the best part of who he is comes out when he gets flour and water and salt together, and he's got the right equipment, and he's got good ovens, and he's feeling it that day, and he's... He's had to make some quality bagels with that real New York water and that every ingredient is just like meticulously chosen because there are only so many ingredients in a bagel. You only have so many things that are going to make it good. Half of them are human. So you found this place that makes the type of bagel that lives up to your dreams you know this is the place to satisfy that craving that now that it's gotten to this point, it's been a few days. You've thought about eating a bagel for at least a few days now, and every time you do, you think about a different part of it. That first time it was just the bagel, and then it was like a good bagel, and then it was with the cream cheese, and you wanted that bagel made by somebody who cared from a place that just smells like well-made bagels when you walk in the door. It's just in the walls, And as soon as you walk in that door, that's the only smell you get is that followed by the other smells, the coffee and the cleaning products, whatever else might be in there. But you want that bagel and it's building with every time you think about it. And if you're anything like me, it's probably going to be a week until you actually get around to that place that you want to go. And you've already got it in your mind. You've looked it up online, which bagel you want. You looked at the whole fucking menu. Even though you knew when you first thought about it those first few times, you knew you wanted that bagel, that specific flavor, and how you wanted it toasted to perfection, and how you wanted to spread the cream cheese on it, and how you wanted it to crunch but give as soon as you took that first bite. You knew. It's been a week you've been thinking about a bagel. You knew. So you finally do it. You go the day before, kind of later in the day, so you know you're not going to eat it that day, and you know that it's not going to get bad overnight. Plus, you have that like Christmas anticipation building up with it. Tomorrow, I'm going to eat the fuck out of this bagel in the morning. And you even like kind of ate less and kind of ate shittier like that day because you really wanted to be hungry because you knew the more hungry you were, the more satisfying it was going to be. All that fatty flavor from the bagel, just satisfying, a week-long experience, mentally and physically, just fusing together desire And so you go to bed, you're excited, you're thinking about it, you're thinking about the whole process because there's so much planning and preparation that's already gone into this, you don't want to mess it up tomorrow. So you know you got to start the coffee, and then you got to take your time, you got to cut the bagel evenly so that you can get it toasted nice and evenly so that both sides are going to be equally toasted, they're going to be crunchy on the outside and hot, and then they're going to be nice and soft and doughy on the inside. 
You're going to have that perfect amount of cream cheese. You don't want to get too crazy with it. If you put too much of it on there, it's just going to distract from the flavor of the bagel, and it's going to take away from the experience. You want just the right amount of cream cheese where you can still hear the knife as you spread it, but it's going to add that nice moisture and that extra fatty flavor and the creaminess and the sharpness that's going to meld with the mildness of the bagel and just amplify the whole experience. So you do it. You wake up, you're a little more excited, a little quicker in the shower and getting out of the bed and peeing and all the other morning rituals that you don't really care for. You finally get in the kitchen, you get the coffee going, and it's time, and you open up that brown bag, and it smells just as good as it did the whole time it taunted you in the car ride on the way home. And from that first moment, the door swung open at the bagel shop and you stepped inside and you got that smell of the week-long want. You cut it perfectly, you get it right. You don't even bother to wipe up the crumbs because you've waited a week for this. Toast it to perfection. No burntness, just perfect caramelization. You can anticipate the crispity, scrapey, crunchy sound. Once you start getting that cream cheese on there, you know you're going to nail it, and it's going to be perfect. And it is. You do it, and you're about to eat it. You're looking down at it. You're excited. And then, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, in the same way that the idea of eating a bagel initially came to you, you think... What if I fuck this bagel? And you know that now that you've thought that, nothing else is going to change that. You can't not think that. And you can't just like give the bagel away or something because it's not going to be right. And you could still eat the bagel, but something's changed now. And you hate that you thought that. You hate that in that one second, if it was even a full second, maybe it was less than a second that this thought came to you and you humored it and it got in your brain just long enough to ruin this whole experience for you. But whatever the case, now, even if the bagel's good, you know that you're just going to be thinking about fucking that bagel. And you know that if you do fuck the bagel, it's not going to be good. I mean, yeah, you're going to enjoy it for the first few moments. Maybe you'll feel a little dirty or something. But as soon as it's over, and it's going to be a lot quicker than a week, you're just going to immediately feel that shame. And it's just going to like haunt you for at least a week, if not longer. That time you had to fuck a bagel. My dentist says shit like that all the time. And he should. Dentists have such a wonderful opportunity, not only to put their fingers inside people, but to use that moment, that uncomfortability that comes with that type of activity, that unwarranted but needed trust between people that must associate, but don't necessarily have that full connection. 
to really help people get past some of these things that they've been so hung up on wrongly. Like death. Death should be funny. And I know other places in the world have better views on death, and I know that so many people are afraid of it here. So many people in my life, and I think in this country, I'm going to say, are just so afraid of death, and they do such dumb, stupid, destructive things because of it. It's just death. Like, it's one of the last good experiences I think you have to look forward to after you burn through the rest of your life and all the other things you wanted to experience. You just, you finally get to die. You get reward with finally getting to stop for a change. Like, we had the opportunity with this pandemic, and a lot of people missed out on it. And I'm sorry for the essential workers or people that felt like they couldn't stop in that time when the world finally did and you finally had that opportunity because not going to get that again until you're dead and you're not going to heaven. I'm not trying to ruin your faith, but you're just a bad person. You're uninteresting and you don't try and you don't care ever enough. You don't. Don't say that you do. I know you feel like you work hard. I know you feel like you've tried. But you fucking haven't, man. You haven't. I've seen it. It's a large part of the anger that I have toward other people. It's because I grew up on cartoons in the 90s. It was just overjoyous morality, enriching, happy, fun time, imagination, fuel. It was beautiful, especially for somebody that had an imagination like me. And I was so excited to live. And I remember as I approached these milestones that I'd seen in the shows, and I got to interact with people more as I got older. That they weren't like the people on TV. And that was hard for me to learn because I've always retained the child in me. It's been a lot of work. But I always knew it was important to keep that part of me alive. And I've done that. I may have it stuffed down behind some ugliness. But I've kept it alive. And I like to play with it, man. And somehow I managed to get through all that, and I was disappointed that people weren't like they were on TV. And after growing up and learning more about reality, I realized that was an unrealistic expectation, that there were these writers that were intentionally writing the ideals of what they wanted they didn't know people like this. They didn't expect people to be like this. This is just what they wished people could be. And once I came to terms with that, I was a little less disheartened. But it still hurt because at that point, I still wasn't even able to see the type of people that were even good enough to think that kind of stuff, to even write that kind of stuff. 
And what I did see were people that saw that kind of stuff and didn't really care. Or they said they had emotions to it. They had reactions to it in front of other people or for their extroverted personality. That was just how they did it when they experienced it. And then it was just gone. Like it was there for a moment and gone. And then they would say that it was there later when they would talk about it or if somebody asked about it. But it wasn't really there. You could tell that it wasn't there. It was very visible that that person didn't actually feel the things that they said they were feeling. And I know that's a really weird, convoluted, messed up way of looking at another human being. But I think that most of us have experienced something like that at some point or another. Either in ourselves, we've recognized it while looking in the mirror or catching our reflection on the side of a building, or we've seen it in other people. And then I lowered the bar even more. I started looking at individuals, just each person on their own, what that person can be. What's the bare minimum of a decent human being for this person? And most people don't even hit that mark for me. I know I'm cynical. And I know I definitely over-obsess and analyze over all these little details, but I feel like there's so little left that could actually make me happy. That could actually help me find some fulfillment or some peace in that. And just stop seeing the world through my hate. Stop seeing all the cracks between everything and where everyone and everything just constantly falls short. No, I don't know what suffering you've gone through. I don't know what it's like to be you. But I know that any creature that has life does suffer relative to the scale of their life. And that for some reason, I suffer more not more than you or anyone else, just more than I should, more than any person really should. I haven't felt this way in a long time. And I remember the last time I did, very distinctly. I was actually talking to a human being, which I am now. It's the same experience. For me, that's how I get through this stuff is it's in my head, it's in me, it's in the internal vision coinciding with idea and emotion.
I was at the coffee place I go to the other day, and somebody brought their little bundles of joy. Children. And they were doing the great things that children always do at that coffee shop, where they have to run around the entire place far from their parents and fall on the ground and try and stare in everybody's face just so they can get some attention and go play on the fountain and stand there in my cigarette smoke. And I'm just over trying to care about or be even remotely considered towards other people's children because fuck these kids. I don't believe the children are the future. I don't even believe we're going to really have a future, man. We're about dead as it is. That's why we need to get this death shit together, you know? But I saw this little fucking shithead kid running around, falling down, and I already hate it just because it's a child. But I hate it that much more because it's one of those shitty, uncoordinated children that can't even walk on its fucking feet or take the time to just walk normally to keep itself from falling down. There are good kids, even. There are good, like, two-year-olds that have the sense that I can't move that fast, but if I walk slow, I won't fall down. And some people just never get that shit. So this little fucktard flapping around and falling down... Rubbing his little fucking shit hands all over the glass, and I know he wants my fucking attention. I can just picture his stupid fucking face, and he's got some name like Jaden or fucking Bryce or Layden or some shit like that, and his little fucking face and his fucking lips and his fucking eyes and his fucking hair. It's just right there in the fucking window, and I'm wishing this kid was outside and not behind the glass so that I could blow my smoke in his face because I love to do that. I love when they get close enough and I can actually start intentionally shifting my line so that I'm blowing the smoke in their face because if you're careless enough to have your little fuck kid come around a place that's notorious for people just sitting and chain smoking and let them wander off and be obnoxious and another people's shit like that, then they need to learn that fucking lesson the right way because you're not teaching it to them so if i gotta blow smoke in your kid's face to make them a better person i will and this little fuck behind the glass who i wasn't able to smoke out just wanted my attention as all kids do that's what kids want they just want your attention even if it's bad attention they'll take that if they're not getting the good attention they just want attention that's how they grow And I could feel it. I could feel how much this kid wanted the attention. And I knew how neglected it must be at home. And I really enjoyed just ignoring it. I could see the hurt and the desperation start to come. I could feel it growing. And I still just ignored this little fuck. And that made me happy in that moment. And it makes me happy still when I think about it. Not because I'm hurting a child, but because I'm helping it to learn how the world really is. Fuck. I hope you guys are into that. (laughs) Before anyone gets too into their feelers and hurt us upset or offended and starts writing out the hate mail or planning the hate in their head to say to me, that's the same thing that I was doing. This is my collection of 
human interaction and experience. And this is my hate mail to whoever ends up listening to it. So we're the same in that sense, and we understand each other in that sense. And you wouldn't really fully understand me, no matter how well I explained it to you. You're not going to. Past the abstract, past the intuitive, impulsive side of me that's constantly interpreting and trying to get you to interpret things, it's just, it's never going to land. I know that. Even when I say the simplest of stuff, it just... I get completely different answers from people, and it blows my mind. So if you don't understand me, it's probably about as much as I don't understand you, and we don't have to explain it to enjoy the ideas that we get from it and the emotions that we get from it. And hopefully, at some point, I'm finally going to get a bagel because I really have been thinking about it for like two weeks.